0: Happy New
1: Year. The eventful summer, Sabrina Gonsalves and John Riggins, who were both 18, met while working for the Recreation Department for the city of Davis, California. Riggins was an excellent athlete who excelled at soccer and baseball. Gonsalves was passionate about horses. Eventually, the two started dating. That autumn, the couple was attending the University of California, Davis. On December 20th, 1980, the couple was at the Davis Veterans Memorial Building. They were helping set the stage for a production of The Nutcracker. When they were done, they left in Reagan's van. They were heading to a birthday party, but they needed to stop and get ice cream on the way. Sadly, they never made it to the party. They also didn't return home so they were reported missing by their families. Two days after they went missing, Riggins' van was found about 35 miles outside of Davis. The police searched the area around the van. In a ravine, they found the dead bodies of 18-year-old John Riggins and 18-year-old Sabrina Gonsalves. Their mouths and their eyes had been wrapped in duct tape and their throats had been slit. Gonsalves had also been raped. Riggins had been struck on the head with a sharp object. It's believed he received this injury while trying to defend Gonsalves. The police had a sketch of a suspect. The man was seen driving near Riggins' van. But unfortunately, no suspects were found. It wasn't long before the case went cold. The case became known as the Sweetheart Murders. Six long years went by and then the police got a tip. The person said that the murders of Riggins and Gonzalez might be connected to the murder of another couple. About a month and a half before their murders, on November 2, 1980, 22-year-old Craig Miller and his fiancée, 21-year-old Mary Elizabeth Sowers, were leaving a party in Sacramento, California. A man armed with a gun forced them to get into his car. There was already a woman in the car. A friend of Miller and Sowers approached the car. The woman in the car slapped the friend and told him to get lost. Then the couple drove off with Miller and Sowers. The friend wrote down the license plate. At first, their friends thought it was a prank. But when no one could contact them the rest of that night, they realized that something serious might have happened. So they called the police and told them about the incident. Not long after the call, the body of Miller was found near Bass Lake. He had been shot three times. Sarah's body was found weeks later in a ditch. She had been raped and shot three times. On November 17th, the killer's husband and wife, Gerald and Charlene Gallegos, were arrested. Tragically, these were not the only murders that the Gallegos committed. In the fall of 1977, 28-year-old Gerald Gallegos met 21-year-old Charlene Williams at a poker club. Although she was just old enough to drink, Charlene had been married and divorced twice. Gerald had been married five times. Charlene and Gerald immediately hit it off and they were soon in a romantic relationship. Not long after they started dating, Gerald told Charlene about his darkest fantasies. He wanted to kidnap and keep sex slaves. As opposed to being appalled, Charlene agreed to help him. On September 11, 1978, Gerald and Charlene went cruising for victims. They came across 17-year-old Rhonda Shuffler and 16-year-old Kibby Vaught. Gerald parked close to the girls and Charlene approached them. She asked them if they wanted to get into the van and smoke some marijuana. The girls agreed. When they opened the door, they found Gerald waiting for them. He aimed a gun at them and ordered them to get into the van. Once they were in the van, Gerald bound them. Charlene drove them to a wooded area. Gerald freed the girls from the bindings and led them away from the van. He sexually assaulted them and brought them back to the van. They drove to a remote area and Gerald told the girls to get out. He then shot them to death. Their bodies were found two days later. Two weeks after that, Gerald's 14-year-old daughter went to the police. She said that since she was six years old, Her father had been sexually abusing her. Gerald found out she had gone to the police, so he and Charlene decided to flee the state. But before leaving, Gerald and Charlene got married. The couple ended up in Houston, Texas. On Father's Day, 1979, Gerald and Charlene traveled to Washoe County in Nevada, and they ended up at the county fair. Charlene approached 14-year-old Brendalyn Judd and 13-year-old Sandra K. Cawley. She asked them if they wanted to make money by putting handbills on the windshields of cars in the parking lot. The girls said yes, and they followed Charlene back to the van. Gerald was waiting for them in the van, and he bound the girls. He sexually assaulted them in the back of the van while Charlene drove around. Then Charlene drove out to the desert. Gerald took the girls out of the van one at a time. He beat them to death with a hammer and buried them. After the murders, Gerald and Charlene did something bold and moved back to Sacramento where Gerald was a wanted man. Here is a quick word from our sponsor.
0: We take this few seconds off to inform you, our valued loyal listener about the best health and fitness podcast shows from the Nespod studios Enjoy the show.
1: On April 24, 1980, they went hunting again. As they drove around, Gerald saw 17 year old Karen Chibbon Twiggs and 17 year old Stacy N. Redikin coming out of a bookstore. Charlene went up to the girls and asked them if they wanted to smoke a joint. Just like the other four girls, Karen and Stacy found Gerald waiting for them, armed with a gun. Once again, Gerald sexually assaulted them in the back of the van while Charlene drove around. They ended up in a wooded area. Like Brenda and Sandra, Gerald beat Karen and Stacy to death with a hammer and then they were buried in shallow graves. Karen and Stacy's bodies were found three months later. A couple months after killing Karen and Stacy, the Gallegos were driving on a highway. They came across 21 year old Linda Aguilar, who was hitchhiking. She was five months pregnant. They pulled over and offered her a ride. She got into the van. Charlene drove to a remote area, and Gerald raped Linda. He beat her to death with a rock, and to ensure she was dead, he strangled her to death. Linda Aguilar's body was found several weeks later. Over a month after killing Linda Aguilar, Gerald kidnapped 34-year-old Virginia Macho after she left the bar where she was a bartender. He raped her and strangled her to death. He dumped her body near a pond. Her body was found a couple months later. Nearly four months after that murder, Charlene and Gerald kidnapped and murdered Craig Miller and Mary Elizabeth Sowers, which eventually led to their arrest. In 1983, Gerald was found guilty of murdering Miller and Sowers, and he was sentenced to death. In 1984, he was extradited to Nevada, where he stood to trial for the murders of Karen Chipman Twiggs and Stacy Ann Redkin. He was found guilty, and he was sentenced to life. Charlene made a plea deal and testified against Gerald. She was sentenced to 16 years and 8 months in prison. The police noted similarities between the murders the Gallegos committed and the murders to Sabrina Gonzalez and John Riggins. The Gallegos generally kidnapped pairs of people from public spaces. The women were raped. Then their bodies were dumped in rural areas. Well, the police knew there was no way Gerald and Charlene killed Riggins and Gonzalez. That was because they were in jail at the time of the murders because they had been arrested for the murders of Miller and Sowers. The police ended up developing an unusual theory. The police developed a theory that the murders of John Riggins and Sabrina Gonzalez were copycat murders to make it look like the Gallegos were innocent. The Gallegos could simply point out that some other psychopath was killing couples, which might create reasonable doubt in their case. The police thought that Gerald's half-brother, David Hunt, may have been the one who committed the murders. David had a criminal record that made him a plausible suspect. In 1985, he was running a marijuana operation ring. In June 1985, he was arrested for kidnapping, attempted rape, and attempted murder. He had kidnapped a couple near Fort Lewis, Washington, and nearly killed them. For the crime, he was sentenced to 35 years in a federal prison. The police concluded that David probably didn't work alone in the murder of the couple. They all thought that his wife, Sue Ellen Hunt, his former cellmate, Richard Thompson, and his friend, Douglas Lanier, all played a role in the murders. Just weeks before the murders, Thompson was in San Quentin Prison. He escaped on November 24th in his plea that David helped him. Then, while he was on the lam, they planned to kill a couple to help David's half-brother look innocent. The police theorized that on the night of the murder, David, Sue Ellen, Thompson, and Lanyard came across Riggins and Gonzalez in the parking lot of the grocery store where they stopped to purchase ice cream. They drove them out of town, and at least one of them raped Gonsalves, and then they killed the couple. In November 1989, nine years after the murder, David Hunt, Sue Allen Hunt, and Richard Thompson were all arrested. Lanyard was arrested a few months later. All four maintained that they were innocent. They all said they had never murdered anyone. David Hunt claimed he had no association with his brother. He said that Gerald was dead to him. If the four were to be convicted, they were looking at the death penalty. The problem was that the district attorney had no physical evidence connecting any of the four to the murders. So items in the van were examined. One of those items was a brand new quilt that was a gift for Gonsalves' sister. Semen was found on it. Before the trial, the district attorney asked three men for a sample of their DNA. If they were innocent, DNA testing would prove that. All three men voluntarily gave a sample of their DNA. It turned out that none of their DNA matched the men. So in January 1993, the charges against all three men and Sue Ellen Hunt were dropped. The case was considered cold again. In 2002, the DNA was uploaded to a DNA database. A match was found. It belonged to a 53-year-old man named Richard Hirschfield. At the time, Richard was imprisoned for molesting two girls. After the match was made, the police had to investigate Richard. If the DNA match turned out to be a mistake due to a lab error or something like that, they could compromise any future trials because it could create reasonable doubt. So the police investigated Richard's background. In 1975, he was convicted of a horrifying home invasion and rape. He broke into the apartment of two sisters, one who was 22 and the other who was 16. He was armed with a gun that had a silencer. He asked them who wanted to be raped. The older sister volunteered. Richard was arrested, and he ended up serving five years. He was paroled in June 1980. Five months later, Sabrina Gonzalez and John Riggins were killed. The police also had to confirm that Richard was in the Davis area around the time of the Here is a quick word from our sponsor.
0: We take this few seconds off to inform you, our valued loyal listener, about the best health and fitness podcast shows. Enjoy
1: the show. Murders. It turned out that he had a friend who lived across the street from Sabrina Gonsalves. Based on this, the police developed a new theory about where the couple was kidnapped. They initially believed that they were kidnapped from the parking lot of the grocery store where they had stopped to buy ice cream but they think that Richard was stalking Gonsalves. Riggins and Gonsalves may have stopped off at her apartment and then they were kidnapped in the parking lot. It also turned out that Richard had a brother, Joseph Hirschfield, who lived a short distance away from where the bodies were found. The police learned that Joseph was living in Oregon. Detectives traveled there to interview him. They asked Joseph if he knew about his brother's activities in 1980. They told him that his brother was a suspect in two murders in 1980. Joseph was nervous during the questioning. Then, when they mentioned DNA evidence, he became even more nervous. The next day, Joseph killed himself via carbon monoxide poisoning. He left behind a note that read, I've been living with this horror for 20 years. Richard did commit those murders, but I was there. I didn't kill anyone, but my DNA is still there. What was odd about the letter was that Joseph's DNA was not found on any of the evidence. Nevertheless, the police thought that the suicide note further proved that Richard killed the couple. It took an extraordinary amount of time to bring Richard Hirschfield to trial. His trial started in September 2012, over 10 years after his DNA was linked to the crime scene. The evidence against Richard was strong. The main evidence against him was the DNA that was found on the quilt in the van. The odds that it was his DNA was 1 in 240 trillion. The defense didn't deny it was his DNA. The defense said that Richard was homeless at the time of the murder. He came across the van and he slept in it. The prosecution pointed out that Richard's DNA was found mixed with Sabrina Gonsalves' DNA. The prosecution also pointed out that Richard was a convicted sex criminal. The woman he raped in 1975 testified against him. The prosecution said that what were the odds that convicted sex offender's DNA was found mixed with the DNA of one of the victims in the van. Joseph's suicide note was also used as evidence against Richard. The defense said that the note was lies and Joseph was not to be believed. The trial lasted nearly a month. The jury deliberated for less than three hours. 32 years after Sabrina Gonçalves and John Regans were killed, Richard Hirschfeld was found guilty of both murders. In January 2013, Richard was sentenced to death. At the time of this recording, 72-year-old Richard Hurstfield is sitting on death row in San Quentin Prison in San Quentin, California. This will conclude the episode. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, please leave a comment and subscribe. Thank you.